0: Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Dalston Road, Walmsby Heights, Sydney, Australia.
1: Um, So the reading is from Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 24. Okay. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet.
0: Thank you, Eloise. So I'm going to speak briefly tonight on this parable that Jesus uh, tells to a group of Pharisees, uh, whom he is in this story sitting around a table having dinner with, and we don't often actually imagine. Jesus spending time with Pharisees. I think in our sort of black and white image of the New Testament, okay, maybe the Pharisees are the bad guys, Jesus is the good guy, but often we see little occasions like this where Jesus actually spends time with the Pharisees uh, over a meal, sharing that time together, uh, and often... uh, Over the course of that dinner, they will clash in the way that they see things. But the clash, the disagreement, is almost, it's really subtle. And Jesus is trying to guide these sort of presumptuous, arrogant Pharisees uh, to see the kingdom of God as being different to how they currently see it. You see, the way that they currently saw it, at least just even viewed through the lens of this particular story uh, in this chapter of the Bible, is these Pharisees were sitting around the table essentially trying to impress Jesus uh, with their religious merit, trying to impress Jesus with how much they knew or how much they had achieved or how holy They were. Uh, They were almost trying to like one up each other in terms of how much on the inner circle they could be considered or they could consider themselves to be when it comes to God and his people. And so amongst this dinner, Jesus tells a parable. And a parable uh, is something that Jesus told many times as sort of a bigger story to illustrate a point. Now, importantly, uh, a parable is not an allegory. And what I mean by that is an allegory uh, is a story where every little detail... Means something. And it's a mistake for, that we often make when we read the parables to like think, oh, that little detail must mean this, and this little detail must mean this. A parable is more broad strokes, it's a bigger picture story to tell a bigger picture point. And it's my hope that tonight, as I briefly just talk about this parable and what Jesus was getting at, is that we, we won't get lost amongst the finer details, but we will see the bigger point. The bigger point being that Jesus wants to invite everybody into his kingdom. Specifically amongst that, uh, Jesus challenges the excuses of the comfortable, the excuses of the comfortable. And what's great is that this parable really is uh, a message for those like us who find ourselves in a church building on a Sunday. This isn't necessarily like an outreach scripture, even though the end result of the parable is all those on the outside being invited in. That's sort of the great like rejoicing point of this scripture is that all are invited in. But really what Jesus is getting at and really what I want to challenge us tonight around is any sort of notion that we might have in our lives about being in a circle. Any notion that we might have in our lives about having sort of a head start or a religious merit just by the fact that perhaps we're on a church on a Sunday or I grew up going to church or yes I know this and I know that. I want to challenge that and strip that away so that we wouldn't see ourselves as the comfortable inner circle but we would see ourselves as the humble outsiders that we are. And so Jesus tells a parable, and the parable is essentially a warning. It's a warning to those who think that they're fine, that they're okay, that they've done enough and they don't need to do anymore. So perhaps tonight uh, we might be encouraged, but perhaps also we might be... Uh, warned, And I, I wonder about some of the uh, conversations that you might have had around excuses. Because this story, uh, Jesus shares three types of excuses that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But it really got me thinking about some of the excuses uh, in my life that I have heard. A few years ago in the soccer team that I'm in, uh, the guy that runs and manages my soccer team uh, had a season-ending injury which I thought, in terms of excuses, was a weak one for why he no longer wanted to come to training on Thursday nights. And so all of a sudden, uh, he handed it over to me to be the one to run the training on Thursday night, but the actual running of the Thursday night was the easy bit. Organising 15 to 20 guys to be in the same place at the same time every week, that was the difficult bit of the task that he gave me. You see, for 14 weeks, I received every Thursday afternoon an onslaught of text messages uh, detailing a variety of excuses for why a bunch of these guys couldn't make training tonight. And look, I am sure most of them were real, okay. Most, most of them are. Okay, I'm sick. Oh, my wife's sick. Oh, my kids sick would be the easy ones. Oh, I've had a busy week. Oh, I'm stuck at work. Oh, the traffic is terrible in Cherrybrook. I'm not sure. Okay, uh, just excuse after excuse. But one that really sticks in my memory and I've never forgotten uh, was by a, a guy in my team who one Thursday uh, just messaged me. He says, oh, Hey Chris, I won't be able to make it tonight. Uh, it's my dad's birthday and we're celebrating it tonight. I can't make it. Sure. Fair enough. To be honest, I didn't really care for any of the excuses. They can do what they want. But this is the excuse he gave me. It's my dad's birthday. We're celebrating it on, this, on Thursday night tonight. I go, fair enough. Enjoy your dinner. Enjoy your dinner. The thing is, about two months later, the same guy who I can assure you only had one dad, because that was my first thought, messages me, hey Chris, I can't make training tonight. Uh, Unfortunately, it's my dad's birthday tonight and we're celebrating it. I scroll up to check that I'm not going crazy or this is some sort of like matrix situation. And I point out to him, hey mate, uh, you you did actually use that excuse already a couple uh, of months ago. Like uh, if you don't want to come to training, it's totally cool. And he Message back, yeah, yeah, you got me. I just didn't want to come tonight. Obviously, for this guy, uh, dad's birthday, uh, unverifiable by most people, was his go to excuse, and he made the terrible uh, judgment, uh, terrible error to to use it twice in the same soccer season. Well, all of us have our own examples of excuses that we use, whether it's our dad constantly having a birthday every couple of months, whether it's uh, our Got a busy appointment uh, cleaning out our pencil case, uh, whatever it is, we've all got our versions of excuses. And the truth is that the most dangerous excuses that we have in our life, particularly the ones that we use to uh, justify why we don't want to spend time with God, the most dangerous ones are the ones that we use that aren't necessarily totally true, but we actually convince ourselves that they are. Uh, True, And so Jesus tells this parable. And the parable is about an invitation to a great banquet, a great feast, a great meal. And a rich man is, is throwing this huge party and he sends the invites out. Now, in the culture of first century Israel, there were two invitations that would be given out for a banquet. The first invitation was well in advance to let people know uh, that the, day, the date that this banquet was happening And then there would be a second invitation that would go out on the morning of to let people know the exact time and details, okay? Jesus starts this story with the second invitation, which is why as you read it, that's why as you read it, you realise, okay, they already knew that this banquet was taking place. This is the second invitation, okay? This is the one that's telling them the details. And so when the servant goes to tell the invited guest that the banquet is prepared, They already know that there's going to be one, but each of them come up with their own excuse, their own reason for why they cannot come. As I found out with that guy from my soccer team, as Mark found out with, uh, I won't say the name aloud in case uh, she's watching live right now, uh, an excuse is often just a polite way of rejection. These guests did not want to come to the banquet. They were thinking, like many of us do, of the things that they wanted to do or the things that they wanted to get done. The banquet sounded nice in theory months before, but when it came to the actual day, they didn't have the enthusiasm, the energy, or the excitement to attend. Even though they were invited, even though they knew, they came up with excuses for why they couldn't come. It's a great parable because each of us have been invited to know God. Each of us have been invited to have a relationship with God now, but also significantly, we've all been invited to the end day celebration that God will one day have with his people. This, this idea of an end day feast or an end day celebration, you see it all throughout, especially the Old Testament, uh, as sort of a, a image or a metaphor for what it's going to be like to spend that final time with God. An example in Isaiah 25, uh, it says, this is what it says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. The way that this end day, when Jesus finally returns uh, to bring all things to fulfillment is described is a feast of rich food, for all peoples, a feast of rich food for all peoples. That is what each of us are invited to. All of us are invited to. And see, in this story, what the Pharisees around the table were trying to do, instead of it being a feast of rich food for all peoples, they were trying to make it a feast of rich food just for rich people, not necessarily rich people financially, but rich religiously. A a feast of rich food for the religiously rich. They were trying to enshrine the invite list to this celebration to be just the inner circle, the top hierarchy. They were trying to create it so that uh, only a select few would go and that indeed they would be the select few. And so Jesus totally Uh, not liking the way that they were going with this attitude, turns the whole thing upside down. And so what we see, and this is true not just in this parable, not just for the Pharisees, but even in the way that God is working today amongst his people, what we see is that often it's not the expected who attend God's celebration with enthusiasm but rather often it is the unexpected people, the people who sh- who by all rights uh, probably weren't going to be there if people were going to predict, it's the unexpected people who end up going to that celebration with excitement and enthusiasm. The expected, those who try and create the inner circle, instead come up with Excuses. And so I wonder tonight what are the excuses that we come up with to sort of justify or explain why we uh, don't enter into spending more time with our God, whether just through prayer. Bible reading, church, or just having a general sort of openness to God each day, what are the excuses that we come up with? Because I certainly know what my excuses are, and I'm sure that if I was to list off some generic ones, that we would all share some commonality, okay? Uh, the busyness of life, too much going on, stress fatigue. Okay, this isn't something that is unique to you. This is something that we all have in our lives and that we all uh, have as uh, excuses for why we don't spend time with God. Jesus lists three types of excuses that are used in this parable. And I wonder if any of these might stick out for you. The first one is the excuse of material possessions. Okay, so the first excuse the person says is, look, I bought a property. Okay, I need to go and inspect it. I need to go and check it out which by the way, doesn't make any sense because this party, this celebration was probably on like the equivalent of like a Saturday night. So who's going to like check out uh, a property, A, that they've already bought and B, uh, they're going to look at it on a Saturday night. So we, we, we can read through the lines here that this was just a made up excuse. But really what we also see is that this person's focus in their life was totally on their finances and material possessions. Their dedication, their focus, their energy, the enthusiasm that they had was for the stuff that they had and for the money and the possessions that they wanted. And so the first group of people refuse uh, to go to this celebration because their focus, rather, is on material things. The second excuse that's used is the excuse of sort of career or professional advancement. The, the second person is trying to get ahead in the world. Okay, he's bought 10 oxen. He's trying to like come up with a deal. He's got to go and play our field with his oxen. Okay. Essentially, this is somebody whose focus is on their job, their career, or getting ahead. They allow their occupation, like so many of us do, their business and their pursuit of being the best in their field to sort of hinder them from going and joining the celebration. And ultimately, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with throwing ourselves into something. There's nothing wrong with making money. But there is something wrong with those things when they stop us from spending time with God, when they stop us, when we can use them as excuses or reasons for why we don't have an equal or more passion and enthusiasm to attend God's celebration. And finally, and this is the one that hits home hardest, I think, for many of us, is the excuse of personal relationships. It's a man who's newly married, but really this represents all of us who have people in our life, real people who we love, real people who we are called to love and supposed to love, uh, whether it's our friends, whether it's uh, other romantic interests, whether it's our wives or our husbands, or whether it's even our children, people whom we're supposed to love, whom we can focus so much on loving them, that we then leave zero energy for loving our God, for spending time with our God. And so this person, this man placed his personal relationships ahead of everything else in life. And this one hits so close to home because uh, we're supposed to love our wives. We're supposed to love our kids. We're supposed to love our friends. We're supposed to be generous with our time to the people around us. God actually commands us to do so. So it's such a tricky one to balance when we throw ourselves so much into that, uh, that The demand on our time and our attention and our affection actually displaces us from having any capacity to then point that towards the God who made us. And so these people made their excuses. People, I think, today are still making their excuses. We are still making our excuses The excuses we might make is, I'm too busy. I've got more important things to do. I don't have time. I'm not feeling well. I've got too many demands at work. Uh, My family is just hectic at the moment. I can't do everything. But ultimately, when we consider what we do make time for in our lives, often what we see is that we do make time for the things that we're enthusiastic about. We do make time for the things that we're passionate about. And what God says to us tonight is, hey, why aren't you... Passionate and enthusiastic for me, and what 's great about this is God, even tonight is saying to you, "Why are you not as equally but even more should be more equally uh, more passionate and more uh, enthusiastic to spend time with me, not because like i 'm a boring chore, but because I am act- I surpass all of those things. God comes to us and and, and, and in all reality, even the good things in our life. the the greatness of God and the preciousness of God far surpasses all of those things. And the truth is that often our enthusiasm for Christ today is a reflection of the enthusiasm that we will have to spend an eternity with Him. And it makes sense because if we don't want to spend time with God today, if we don't have a, a desire to spend time with God right now, why would we want to spend time with God For eternity onwards. And so our excuses actually reflect an attitude of the heart that basically our excuses reflect a lack of enthusiasm. And so, what I want to challenge us tonight really is not just about the excuses, because the excuses are a symptom. The excuses that we have, the justified ones and the less justified ones, they're just a symptom for a lack of passion and a lack of enthusiasm. And so I wonder tonight if you could uh, place yourself in a situation where you just take a breath and remember that often one of the reasons why we become complacent and lack enthusiasm is because we feel like we're in the inner circle. We feel like we've already made it. That feeling of getting that invitation as an outsider that filled us with so much enthusiasm originally has faded as we've spent more time in the inner circle and so Jesus says to us, there is no inner circle. Ultimately, Jesus says, if, if the inner circle don't want to come, okay, I'm going to invite everybody. I'm going to show them who's going to come. And so the, the story says, Jesus says, go out, just go out and invite everybody because I'm not going to spend time waiting for the complacent. People will choose what they want to choose. And so perhaps tonight you actually don't feel complacent, you just feel like an outsider, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like an outcast, you feel like you're broken. you're, You're thinking, I don't have reasons for why I'm complacent, I have reasons for why I don't deserve to spend time with God. I have reasons for why God should never accept me. But tonight, the message to you is that God absolutely invites you into his celebration, that there is nothing about you that you've done, there's nothing about you that you are that stops you. But actually, in fact, if your attitude is one of being unworthy but enthusiastic, that that's the person that God wants to invite. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Uh, and play a couple more songs tonight. But I want to give an invitation to two groups of people. Those who uh, perhaps, you know, you've been going through the motions and you're feeling complacent. You know that within your heart you've been going. This season of complacency has gone on too long and tonight there's an opportunity to go, you know what, Jesus, I, I, I want to renew my excitement for knowing you. I want to renew my passion for knowing you. But also the second group of people, who perhaps tonight is the night where you make a decision to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm accepting your invitation. I'm coming. I don't think I really necessarily deserve to be invited, but I'm accepting your invitation. And so my prayer for you tonight is that actually there aren't two groups of people, that all of us tonight come as humble outsiders with open hands and that we would know that God absolutely accepts us and invites us again tonight. So let's pray, uh, and then we're going to sing some more songs of worship. God, uh, tonight we s- want to say to you, Lord, that we're sorry for the times that we uh, come to you with excuses, whether verbalised uh, or just internal excuses. Lord, we're sorry for the things that we managed to find enthusiasm for over you. And I pray, God, for those in this room tonight, that tonight would be a good opportunity to either renew... there our excitement for you or perhaps tonight for some it would be an opportunity to accept your invitation to simply say jesus yes i'll come i'll come to your celebration i'll come to your party i'll come and i'll spend time with you and so we do that now we're going to do that in music lord we're going to do that in the week ahead as we think about our priorities and i pray lord that you'd bless this time of worship you bless the meal uh, that we're going to have afterwards as well
1: I right, always in Jesus' name.